Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. And this is a little bit of an introduction before the main podcast starts. Uh, in the podcast, I have a great conversation with Dr. Anna Stotter. And unfortunately, I failed to mention initially that not only does she play for Saracens women, she also plays for Scotland, uh, which is pretty impressive since she only took up the game at the age of 25. Anyway, I'm sure you enjoy our chat as we discuss how coaches learn and it will really help us understand what we can get more from when we go on courses. So without further ado, here's the podcast. In today's podcast, I'm well uh, delighted to welcome along Dr. Anna Stodter, who's a senior lecturer at uh, Anglia Ruskin University uh, in sports, coaching and physical education. Uh, Anglia Ruskin is in Cambridge. For those who uh, are not so familiar with that part of the world, she also plays for Saracens Women in the Thrills Premiership. So uh, welcome along, Anna. Hi, Dan. Um, thanks for asking me to take part in this. It's a pleasure to chat to you. Great. Well, I'm really looking forward to asking you some very complicated and in-depth questions about your research because I have read it and uh, I've made my best effort but uh, forgive me when I make a complete fool of myself but in this podcast I'm keen to find out more around your detailed research as I mentioned about how coaches learn on courses and I really want to know what coaches can do to make more of their experiences on CPD, Coach Professional Development, and also gain some insight into what a better CPD course might look like. So before we start, Anna, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your research and your background in sport? Yeah, of course. Um, so I suppose I'll start with the background in sport bit because it kind of provides a bit of a backdrop to my research and why I'm interested in what I do or why I do what I do. Um, so... I kind of grew up playing football, actually, rather than rugby. Um, and um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, rugby wasn't really an option for me when I was growing up. I didn't know that girls could play rugby or um, that, yeah, I never got the opportunity to, to do it. So um, I played football, um, but was always a fan of rugby. I uh, loved watching the Six Nations and, yeah, especially international rugby. Um, and then um, I went to um, university in Edinburgh. Um, and I studied sports, psych- well, studied psychology there because um, through playing football, I was always really interested in the more mental side of the game and also just interested in people and how they work and what makes them tick. Um, then I went to Loughborough University to do a master's in sports psychology because, as I said, I had that interest in sport as well. And while I was there, um, I kind of got bored of playing football. <laughs> um, I didn't really like one of my coaches. Actually, didn't really like one of my coaches when I was a kid either. Um, and then I just had some friends at, at university that played rugby and they got me involved in a match which they didn't have enough players for and just kind of got into it through that. Um, ended up being quite good at it without actually knowing what I was really doing. Um, and I've kind of, meanwhile, alongside that, been coaching a bit of football. So I did kind of the classic go to America and coach in a soccer camp over a summer um, just to sort of earn a bit of money doing something that I was interested in um, and then that all culminated in ended up doing a PhD in coaches learning so I think I didn't really know that you could study coaching like that before um, the PhD opportunity came up um, as I said I'd come from more the sports psychology route and I kind of I still find that really interesting, but I kind of felt that sports psychologists could probably have more impact on players via coaches. So if the coach can sort of buy into that stuff and the coach can help with the psychological side of things, then you can have more impact because the coach influences lots of people. Whereas if you're influencing just a player, then it's just one player. Um, whereas if you can influence coaches and how coaches learn, then you can influence loads more players and hopefully give loads more 
players or participants a more positive experience in their sport. So that's kind of, yeah, I sort of took up rugby from that. Um, then when I finished my PhD, I worked for Archery GB for a little while. Um, that was really interesting because I didn't, I don't know anything about archery. Well, I do know a bit now, but I didn't <laughs> at the time. Um, so I was working with their uh, coaches on the performance pathway. So being in charge of the programs for future Olympians and Paralympians in archery. So that was really interesting working with those coaches and those athletes um, just seeing how things are done a bit differently in a different sport. Um, and then I moved to Anglia Ruskin University um, to do a, uh, to do a lectureship um, in sports coaching and PE. Um, I kind of found that that fitted a bit better with rugby um, because um, archery involved a lot of weekend working and um, I wanted to continue playing rugby. So um moved to Saracens, um, been playing for them for four years and um, also in amongst that, played uh, played a little bit for Scotland um, in Six Nations. Um, well, you kept that very quiet when I was uh, talking to you, very modest about that. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, it was something that I never really expected to happen, I guess, because I took up rugby so late. I wasn't, didn't start playing until I was 25 right. um, and then sort of managed to get involved in, in their training squad and then played in the Six Nations. So, yeah, I never thought that I would represent my country at anything. So <laughs> it was a bit of a surprise and it was like such a good experience just to learn about that. So quickly and just those experiences are yeah a bonus that I never thought I would have so yeah are you still involved with that um not really although I've been um kind of involved in the coaching side a little bit so um there's a Scottish qualified program um for people that are Scottish and qualified to play for Scotland but don't actually live in Scotland um so just at the weekend there I did a little bit of coaching on um one of their regional events um so yeah sort of still sort of involved but not really in a playing um from a playing point of view at the moment and so i this is, wasn't going to be my first question but i'm fascinated to know what you did uh when you said you did a little bit of coaching at a regional event so what did that look like um well at the moment um with the scottish qualified pathway they're trying to set up a better pathway for women and girls um so that's something that's kind of ongoing but um it was just really um rob really is the guy that's in charge of that and um he just asked me to come down and help with their boys regional event that they had yeah. going on um so that was under 16 to under 18 boys um and yeah they were just sort of did a saturday training day um just at this kind of at the start of the season just to I guess um get them used to the sorts of things that you, they would do if they were to potentially get involved in the Scotland setup. Um so they did a little fitness test and some skills coaching and some games as well. Um but it's yeah just interesting because I've just finished doing my level three as a coaching award and um just sort of picking up different coaching experiences with different groups. So it's interesting for me to coach um that age group of boys because I coach regularly at Cambridge University women's rugby team. So um yeah I'm more experienced with coaching um girls and women. Um, so it's just interesting to coach boys every so often. <laughs> yeah. So what uh, what did you take away from that uh, that session? You say, well, I'm going to do this slightly different in the next session. Uh, okay, mm, interesting. Um, well, I think like using open I use open questioning quite a lot in my coaching. Um, uh, coaches might often say that quite a lot, but I did. Um, have videoed myself and counted up the questions that I use since there's a lot, quite a lot of open questions. Um, so I do have evidence to support that claim. Um, but yeah, with the boys kind of asking them after certain things, you know, how do you think that went in, in a little group? And they were very positive about the things that they did really well. Whereas, um, I've kind of found with the girls I coach, for example, they might not necessarily be so positive and they might be more <laughs> quick to criticize the things that they need to improve on. So, um, I suppose thinking about um, how I ask questions so that they will have a useful answer rather than just listing a load of great stuff, which, mm. yeah. Well, <laughs> that's sure interesting. Like, yeah, go on. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because today I read a tweet uh, from Frank Dick on 
better athletes and better coaches. And one of the first things he's saying in his tweet is that we should acknowledge our mistakes. Mm. And is there a danger that uh, we spend a lot of time working on the positives and not acknowledging that where we've got it wrong because we are perhaps not correcting our mistakes? And maybe I'm confusing two two aspects there. Is that is that fair to say that these boys were not identifying where they were going wrong, so therefore their possible improvements might be reduced? Maybe, but that stemmed from the question that I asked them. So right, <laughs> that's kind okay. of the point that I'm making in that I said, you know, how do you, well, how do you think that went? And I suppose, yeah, that's very open. And then I was kind of focusing on like what things did they do that enabled them to do this, right. those things well? Um, but I think, um, this might come up in the rest of our chat, um, that there's, you need a balance of, of both really. Um, I tend to be pretty positive when I'm coaching. In that I'll like, like to pick up positive things. And I think that comes from when I was coached when I was a kid. I, um, I mentioned that I didn't really like my coach and it's because he was really negative, just sort of shouting yeah. all the time and just like picking up on things that you weren't so good at. And yeah, I just like to pick up on the positive things. But maybe that's because I tend to coach girls or women more often and they tend to pick up on the negatives. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think you need a balance. So. Mm. Well, I, and, uh, my my own experience is probably like yours that I think a coach is used to focus on fault correction and that it's turned into very negative they're saying well if you can't do the skills and can't progress mm. uh, therefore it tends to be a bit more negative uh, sometimes I think we may overbalance the other way and not get the other part of it but that you that, that there's a lot in that and anyway we're not I wasn't going to focus on that so uh, <laughs> just tell them a little bit about more about before we get on to my first question about uh, the main topic here just tell me a little bit about more about your research that you've been doing because I've you very kindly sent me over a couple of papers to work my way through just uh, what, what what have you been focusing on yeah, so um, my PhD was um, evaluating uh, coach education. Um, so I'm, I'm sure yourself and um, your listeners will be uh, well versed in going on coach education courses. So they're called you know, formal coach education um, and maybe thinking, yeah, there's some good bits that I like, but I didn't really learn that much or perhaps it wasn't that great or, you know, I've paid all this money and <laughs> what did I get for it? Um, so my PhD was kind of looking at the impact of that. So whether coaches actually changed their um, knowledge and their behaviour um, from before going on a course to afterwards. Um, and my research is kind of, yeah, more broad than that um, as well in the um, just looking at coaches learning more generally. So um, you probably you and your listeners also probably be well aware that um, when you go in a course that like, you'll learn some stuff, but your what you learn is more than just um, from a formal education course. So you've learned to coach through a variety of different experiences from like trial and error, actually coaching um, to chatting with other coaches, maybe listening to podcasts, um, maybe things like mentoring. Um, so there's a whole big blend of different things that um, kind of influence why you do what we do. Um, so yeah my my research kind of looks at that sort of blend and um, it, although it looks at the impact of formal education it also looks at um, the process of journey, uh, learning more generally Now that's interesting that you're talking about that blend and mm. uh, UK Sport produced figures on where coaches get their information from and I think they may have even said what coaches felt that they'd learnt most mm-hmm. from uh, is there a is in part of your research do you sort of have a rough percentage or is this a ridiculous thing to ask that <laughs> coaches learn most from um, I mean it's I probably very situational yeah I don't have a rough percentage but there is um, there's a study by um, I'm, I'm going to get the name pronunciation wrong but John Stoskowski I think um, and Dave Collins um, they did a big survey of um, lots of coaches um, in the UK from different sports and they kind of looked at their sort of preferred sources of knowledge. Um, but a lot of the research shows that coaches prefer learning from experience and uh, watching other coaches, um, interacting with other coaches. So that tends now, to be they where they find it. 
They might yes. prefer it, but it means yes. like uh, I prefer to have my cereal with sugar, but it doesn't mean it's any <laughs> better. Uh, maybe that's a question for uh, later on. Anyway, so yes. my first <laughs> question is, uh, and of course, as you speak, some of my questions jump ahead and jump back and that sort of thing. So anyway, my first question is, um, what do we want coaches to actually learn? And uh, I suppose these, the question which goes with it, so what does coaching better look like? So what do we want our coaches to learn? Yes, those are two very big questions. Yeah, OK. <laughs> um, so some academics get a bit of stick for answering. It depends to everything. But in okay. this case, I think it probably does depend um, on a lot of different things. So, so, why, really... so why do they get a stick for saying it depends? Is that because uh, we want more definite answers? Probably, yeah. I guess. So in my research and other research, um, like it shows that coaches are really pragmatic, practical people. So they want to they want stuff that works. So um, I guess they want like a quick fix answer. But we're talking about learning and it's not really a simple thing. It's a pretty complex thing. So um, it does depend on a lot of different aspects. So it's quite difficult to give you like a concrete answer. Like this is definitely what we need to do. so, so, and that's so, I, and so the, my idea then is that um, we are setting up these courses mm-hmm. and we have potential learning goals or learning objectives or objectives from the courses. Um, and so we're coming away, but we don't really know what we want them to learn because it does depend. Is it possible to set some objectives and goals or are we just hoping that there is some improvement? Yeah, but if you're just hoping for improvement, then again, you've, you'd have to define what improvement is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, better coaching, I think it depends on the context that you're working in. So I'm saying it depends, but that's one big thing, the context that um, is important to consider. So things like the participants, that they're, they're going to be coaching, their needs, their level of engagement in the sport, um, the competition structure, the time of the season and like your the, your role as a coach within that. So, um Context is important, um, but having said that, academics have tried to um, characterise effective coaching. So they've looked at all the different research and reviewed it all um, and kind of come up with three different areas which they've said sort of define effective coaching. Um, So the context is one of them. So you need to tailor what you do to the, the context that you're working in to be effective. Um, outcomes for the athletes so you need to have some kind of impact on the athletes the participants in your sessions or in your kind of program Um, and knowledge is the other thing so um, knowledge is like an area that I've sort of focused more on um, so I'm pretty interested in that so you could for example have a course where you want the coaches to pick up particular knowledge and maybe implement it Um, and knowledge has three different areas as well so um, there's they talk about um, coaching knowledge, effective coaching knowledge being split into these three areas. So professional knowledge. So that's about um, the sport and how to coach. So your what and how kind of skills. Um, interpersonal knowledge. So how to work with other people. And that can be um, other coaches or it can be your athletes. So you need to know about them to be able to be an effective coach. And intrapersonal knowledge. So that's about knowledge of yourself and things like um, how to reflect um, your understanding of your own philosophy um, and like how to be a better learner. So sometimes um, in academia, we've placed more recently more emphasis on that final category. So intrapersonal knowledge, knowledge of yourself and um, the ability to keep learning and critically examining your experiences to be innovative, creative. Um, people have said that that might be the ideal thing for coach education to develop. Okay, so I'm going to ask about interpersonal then. Um, what? So you've given actually you've answered some of it by saying you want the coaches to be more reflective. That makes you a better learner. What other things will make a coach a better learner? So if I, if someone's listening in and they're just about to uh, go off to a level two or a level three coaching mm. award. What would be the sorts of preparation which would make them even more open and ready to learn? Mm, Apart from reflection. (laughs) Or maybe it is reflection and it needs to be more detailed. Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, So 
my research w- uh, would suggest that, like, I wouldn't uh, say that it's generalizable to everyone, but you, uh, I think, when you, people read it, then they might sort of gain some things that um, they can recognize in their own practice, their own learning. But anyway, my research would suggest um, that that openness uh, itself is pretty important. So um, thinking about are you actually open to to different things and different ideas like how open are you so um you look at um influence from cognitive psychology there's that cognitive bias the idea that you are likely to pick up um or just collect lots of information that fits in with what you already believe in uh, what you what you already think so um really think about your starting point and um how open are you to things that challenge that so prepare yourself to be challenged um so I would say take into account your starting point. So think about what are your current values, beliefs, current practices and why do you have those? So you might have heard of the what's your why sort of thing. So think mm. about that. Um, and then importantly, how does how does those things influence what you choose to take on board or not? And um, I suppose recognising like if someone on the course starts to put across something that completely contradicts what you already value or what you already believe, then it's quite easy to just put up your walls and just be like, well, you know, that's crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was trying to think, you, you were talking about swearing earlier. <laughs> yeah. think well, I think that's fine. That, I think that word <laughs> probably just passes the uh, the watershed. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, just being aware of that and thinking about why you might feel that way. So, like, why do you do what you do? Um, and what's it based on then also think about your context I would say so what context are you working in um, what or who influences your willingness to try out different things within that context so that might be your players but it might be other people you work with or your boss or um, you know just different things that go on in the context and how those can influence how open you are to or how able you are to try different things out as well um, and then, um, again, my research kind of looks at this process of taking things on board or not. And um, the next kind of part of it is about um, trying things out in context and judging whether it works or not. So I find that that was seemed to be a pretty important process. So if you are going to if you have picked up something from a course um, and you're thinking, OK, I might try this out. Um, how are you going to judge whether it works or not like how do you know if it works and um what are you actually judging that on and why and then how could you adapt it or if you think that something wouldn't work so you're not going to try it how could you adapt it so again that's bringing in your previous knowledge your previous experiences to kind of come to your own understanding of stuff so those would be my thoughts on that now i did mention this term before and i I, I think you gave me um, a quite um, sharp answer on it. Does this, um, so you're going to prepare for this one. Okay. Uh, does this mean that you need to have, and uh, I'm putting inverted commas at the start and the end, a growth mindset? Oh, um, yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so growth mindset, yeah, I probably, probably should have read more around this because uh, it's something that I want to read more in detail about, so I really understand it, but I do know that it can be misinterpreted as sort of like a, I don't know, like a magic kind of solution for everything. <laughs> so, and it's not quite that, but um, I guess just, I would say more an open mindset. Um, yeah. Maybe you should ask Carol Dweck. Yeah, well, um, and uh, I think um, we're not we're not going off on uh, talking about growth mindset here. Um, I think that the Carol Carol Dweck uh, view on it is different to a lot of people who go out and talk about growth mindset as a as a business uh, and a proposition like that. And I think yeah. it's it's. Um, Something which has always been there, which is um, being open to change and be willing to to change. I don't think that's uh, been. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's not had that thought before. Uh, mm-hmm. But to prepare yourself is be ready, be ready to change, and that seems to be the, the key coming across to that. But it's also some of the detail on what you need to look to change because there, there's there, there is a danger that you arrive, and of course you're so open to change that you completely change when you come out, and 
is there not a danger that you you're still not true to yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, you become something that you're not, and therefore you're not the natural coach that you were in the first place. Does that make sense, or am I going off on a on a tangent there? Yeah, that, no, that makes sense to me. Um, I think that's why it's important to understand your starting point and your um, like yeah underpinning values and uh, philosophies and beliefs and why you have those things. So um, that's not to say that those shouldn't be open to challenge, but if you kind of understand what you value and why then you can kind of keep coming back to that um so that's an interesting one for coaches to try and really reflect on on what mm-hmm. they value because sometimes i think we play lip service to things that we think we value and actually don't carry them through uh it's the right thing to say at that time um and we say it in and i'm sure that there is a there's a proper expression of it for it but we say it in the situation because we know that it makes everybody happy but we wouldn't say in another group we wouldn't say the same thing because we know that that would cause problems so well, I, context I, is important <laughs> yeah so context is important to you so how how can we really reflect on our own values what uh, i know that uh, when we talk about culture it's what people do when no one else is looking. Um, how? I wonder what sort of questions you would ask which give you the truthful answer to what your values are. You're talking about truth is another minefield to, uh, that we probably won't go into because <laughs> okay. what, what it really is true and not. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, I think like a good way that I've um, experienced um, talking about values and that I've sort of used in my teaching with students as well is to um, I think you can look up um, there's sort of lists of different words like key value words and you can basically try and choose what your top three um, by thinking about why is it that you think that that's important um, and then think of some examples of things that you've done in the past that might um, kind of show that so like one for me is um, like relationships um, because for me, like getting involved in rugby um, sort of late on, um, I've then since then been so lucky to take part in loads of really, really cool experiences and meet some amazing people. And the people that I hang out with in my life, um, like even my housemate I met through rugby, for example, uh, like those are through relationships that are built through through rugby. So relationships is a key value for, for me. Um, so just things like that, like picking your your top three for example it's just an arbitrary number but thinking about yeah try and find some value words and um think about what are your most important ones and um then try and link them to behaviors and things that you've done in the past i also think it's something you can't do in a very short space of time Mm. i've been on plenty of courses where someone said what's your philosophy or they've Mm. asked you quite an in-depth question and then everyone in the group comes up with some words. Inevitably, a, the stickies come out and some board <laughs> is filled up with yellow stickies. And there's nothing wrong in that. I'm sounding a bit cynical. Uh, yet, there's not, there's not a real chance for proper reflection because those, you, you may say, well, I said this, but really, I think back to my experiences. And I think that's very difficult for courses to, to do because inevitably they're run over a very short space of time. Um, it would be much better if they had much much longer time so which really sort of comes um comes to my next question i'm trying to uh, leap leap on because Mm -hmm. we are we're not not we're chasing down rabbit holes but we're learning (laughs) lots as we go along or discovering anyway how can you tell (laughs) if a coach has learned something from a course what how can you measure that um yeah very um quite a big question as well so um Oh, I need to ask the big questions. I need to ask the smaller <laughs> ones. What did you have for breakfast? Might be easier. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> cereal without sugar, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had a bit of granola, yogurt, some strawberries. So yeah. Oh, nice. they were. That makes everyone feel. Tr- that's obviously uh, the best way to approach a course is to have that sort of um, uh, meal. Feel the learning. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, how can you tell if coaches learn something from the course? Well. Um, yeah, challenges measuring learning to look at the impact of the course. But commonly, um, again, I'm sure 
you and your listeners will be aware of going on courses and then at the end of like a couple of days or whatever you get given um, a sheet of paper with a kind of almost like a smiley face kind of mm. or a rating of like how satisfied are you with the course like have you had a good time and what's your feedback and people always go oh the lunch was great so <laughs> it was a brilliant course I loved it learned loads um, but then going back to your your club um, you might not necessarily actually implement those things so um and that's been a problem with um with some of the research as well and that it's just ask coaches what they think of courses and like you said earlier like yeah you might have enjoyed the course but did, did that mean you actually learned something so um <laughs> measuring learning depends um how you define learning um and that's a whole philosophical argument as well so mm. <laughs> that depends on lots of things but for my work of kind of taking a cognitive behavioral look at it so that means um, thoughts and behaviours so I'm really interested in whether knowledge changes and whether behaviour changes um, so I kind of did that by um, videoing coaches before they went on a course um, and systematically observing their behaviour so it's kind of easier to measure the easiest thing to do is measure behaviour because you can actually see it happening and mm. there's different sort of frameworks that you can use to um, tell you which behaviours to look out for so basically count up different behaviours um, and then so give me an example of a behaviour to look out for then questioning um, so we were talked about open questions and closed questions before so um, that's uh, called convergent questioning and divergent questioning and that's something that I actually did for myself on the uh, rugby level 3 so before it started videoed myself um, counted up all the um, convergent and divergent questions that I asked in that session and then a year later um, after the course is finished, videoed myself again and um, did the same process and looked at how um, what changed basically. Um, so, yeah. Now, now the, the, cynic, the cynic would say that uh, any teacher who's observed uh, pulls off the best lesson they've ever pulled off because <laughs> they uh, they know they're being observed. Mm-hmm. Um, is it possible to be cynical that someone knows they're videoing, so they make extra effort to do the things that they know are right? Yeah, yeah, it's, that is possible. <laughs> um, I suppose, like, in my research, I'd videoed them a, a few times, so, like, three sessions before, three sessions after, and right. kind of the coach's feedback was that they sort of forgot I was there, so... Um, right, yeah. I think, and also, if you're planning to do it on yourself, then you can just, well, <laughs> if you're planning to do it on yourself, then you would kind of know, like, is it worth doing something that you wouldn't normally do? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. maybe if you're going to learn from it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is possible to be cynical about that. Um, but I think the more you do it, um, the like, more sort of routine it becomes. And, um, yeah, I think it does. Also, it depends on, as we talked about, context. So situations change. So your coaching would change depending on what happens in that particular session. Like it might be if you coach kids, like they might have all had a rough week at school or a rough day and like mm. to turn up grumpy and miserable and not not paying attention. So then your coaching would have to change. So, yeah, it, you should probably do it as much as possible to get a clearer picture of what you tend to do. But having said that, in my research as well, I found that coaches had uh, they tended to have like a behavioural profile, like a. Uh, it's almost like a pattern of things like as an individual they tended to do when they were coaching. So when you sort of charted out the different behaviours that I was looking at, um, it looked pretty similar like before <laughs> and after a course. So, um, but similar for each individual. So some would um, ask loads of questions, um, whereas some would rely more on um, sort of corrective feedback or positive feedback or negative feedback. And that can be, um, specific or general so there's loads of different things that you can look at in behavior um but yeah coaches tended to have like a particular sort of profile um, like a behavioral signature almost that they stuck pretty closely to right uh, and that's why um in classrooms more and more uh, observations are trying to be slightly more informal mm-hmm. so you can catch teachers doing what they do normally uh, to allow them to be uh, reflect better, but videoing does make it more powerful. And quite a few coaches um, have um, a camera on their front. Uh, mm-hmm. sort of um, I can't think what it's called now. Um, GoPro. GoPro. That's right. Yes, <laughs> I was just looking around the room to see my 
my son's GoPro in here, and that is uh, that's very useful and uh, quite scary re- revealing. <laughs> At times uh, one says so and right and okay. It's um, yeah, often a little bit, often a bit scary. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, but once you do it like uh, a few times and you sort of get used to it, um, yeah. <laughs> so, and I've just said so there. So I need to <laughs> go back and cut them through. Now, what we what we're, we're trying to answer is how can we tell if a coach has learned something from the course? So you're saying that. Um, it's the changes in behaviour and knowledge. It's very difficult to measure the changes in knowledge. Um, mm. Well, it's more difficult. It's possible, I'm sure. Um, but you can't tell by asking someone a bunch of questions at the end of the course, which is, I think, something which is a lesson we can take away from coaching players. We can't tell if someone, a coach, a, a player's learned something at the end of a, a coaching session by them. Uh, simply repeating what what's gone through and say, oh, we need to hands up. It's changes in behaviour uh, later on. So that uh, let, let's. I'm going to go on a slightly different tack now. Uh, we know that learning styles are a myth, uh, but surely some coaches react better to activities than lectures. Uh, do doing rather than reading, watching video footage rather than listening. Um, so what? What do we need to take forward in in that? I mean, that's a multi-media um, approach to helping the coaches learn on the course. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, we talked about learning styles being a myth, and it's sort of similar to what you were saying about breakfast earlier, actually. So <laughs> one of the good ways that I've heard it explained is that, yeah, I have a preference for cake like I love cake but I couldn't just eat that all the whole time and be sort of properly nourished so you need to have a variety of different things like and a balance which we also mentioned before as well um to have the the best kind of outcome for learning um but I've been reading a book uh called Understanding How We Learn a Visual Guide and it's it's pretty cool um it's by some researchers um from cognitive uh, psychology and kind of using it um, for to help with my teaching but I think it might be quite useful for coaching as well but they talk a little bit about learning styles as a myth but also um, there is some evidence that um, if you have like a variety of different things together then it's better for people to retrieve it when they're trying to learn so there is evidence that if you have like a visual um, kind of way of putting across information and written material together then it means that people can remember it a bit better so that's I think different. it's uh, dual, dual coding Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's different from learning styles, but sort of similar. So, yeah, it can become a bit of a minefield of um, different stuff that sounds similar, but it, you need to get it right to be <laughs> to be kind of like in line with what the research says. So, um, but with learning styles, I'd also say even if you're, I don't know, on a course um, in like doing kind of classroom session, you're you might still have an activity within that. So that's kind of a variety of different learning styles right there. And you're listening to stuff and sort of doing stuff and applying your knowledge all at the same time. So, yeah, I think it's really difficult to classify styles anyway. And I think you just need a mix and a balance of different ways to try and hit as many of these bases as possible. And also, like, if you're, if you say that you're an active learner and you prefer to, to sort of do kinesthetic learning the, the most, then Maybe that means you should focus perhaps on some of the other ways of getting getting information across because that's that's your not necessarily your strength. So, yeah, <laughs> learning styles are quite an interesting way of thinking about different ways to put across information. Um, but yeah, matching the the way of putting across that information to someone's preference doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to learn better. But I do yeah. think that. Um, if you have like a mix of lots of different things, then that's hopefully going to help people to to remember those things and put them into practice and think about them in different ways. Um, yeah. yeah, I I think uh, the the danger again with one of these things where a myth and it's busted, and then we go f- too far the other way. Uh, we mm. don't give a, enough chance to do things in lots of different ways, and maybe some of it that might speak to you a little bit more. Uh, at that particular moment, but again, you talk. You talked about context. You talked about uh, interpersonal relationships and how important that is. 
and uh, I've seen very recently some very good examples of where lots of great things have been going on because of the great relationships that have been built up in that context and that's what's been most important and almost the skills and the techniques are aside to that because what makes you enjoy something is probably the people you're with more than necessarily the the outcomes so let us focus a bit now on coaching players so we've we've been talking about how coaches learn what um, given that you've your coaching players as well as been studying how coaches learn um is it different for coaching players uh is there a difference and what lessons can we take away for coaching players as well mm. so if there is there a difference between coaching players and coaching coaches um and yes yeah, let's focus on that first yeah definitely <laughs> so um coaching is different from playing so um yeah it's you learn how to do them <clears throat> differently obviously if you've played um then you're going to have some knowledge and some experiences uh, that are going to be pretty useful for coaching because um, they're they're linked but they are different things so i'd say that there is a difference um and yeah i wouldn't claim to be an expert in um coaching players <laughs> um so i probably wouldn't claim to be an expert in coaching coaches either i've just done some research about um, how coaches learn but yeah i think um it is different so yeah there's there's differences there but um we have talked about learning generally and it's kind of the the evidence that is out there about learning so i think some of those things you could potentially transfer across for instance i mean i'm thinking now that you are uh you've been coaching for a little while now and Mm -hmm. you've been doing research so you have said that questioning is one thing which has changed for you what else has changed Ooh, in my coaching, oh, <laughs> that's, a, oh, that's tough. Well, I've been, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff about games-based coaching at the moment. Um, and um, I suppose I've been trying to get better at that um, or sort of better at designing games so that people actually get something out of it or better at, yeah, having more of an impact through my coaching. Um, mm. So... Yeah, I think that's a different question, which you're now making me reflect on. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it's really there we are. See, I, I, it's uh, every day's a, uh, a school day, and that's <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I'm yeah. I'm learning uh, all the time myself. Um, probably I, to ask, ask questions uh, or set questions up so you've got a chance to reflect on them. Yeah, uh, I actually <laughs> find doing my um, level three really difficult because um, there's so much sort of thinking and learning and reflecting going on in my mind. It's all these different layers, like trying not to judge the course from a research point of view, but then like thinking mm-hmm. about uh, my own coaching and my own learning and then the players learning. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's it can get a bit much <laughs> sort of being in my, in my brain. <laughs> okay, well, let's, I'll ask another question then. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, and it's to do with uh, going on courses. Mm-hmm. What do you think uh, the courses could do differently and what do they do well? Uh, okay. Um, well, sort of taking the, the level three in rugby as a, an example, what they do well is um, you've got a mentor that um, follows you through the whole year-long process so that's pretty good because then they're with you in your own environment so again we've talked about context quite a lot so they're in they're with you in your context so they see how you implement stuff or not within that context and hopefully they would help you to adapt things that are kind of from a decontextualized course kind of setting into your contextualized um sort of everyday coaching setting so that's pretty good. Um, so longitudinal, so taking place over um, like a, a kind of long time so that you have a chance to try things out and mm. uh, judge whether they work or not. And hopefully your mentor will help you to do that. So um, that's a good thing because um, some of the courses that I evaluated in my research were very much you just go off to like a, a hotel where the coaches where the course is taking place and you're coaching other people on the course um rather than it was actually meant to be a youth coaching course so rather than actually coaching kids in their normal context like people that you actually know 
and that you've built those relationships with, you're actually just coaching sort of a bunch of middle-aged men. So it's, bit, it's <laughs> going to be a bit different. <laughs> um, yeah. so. And there's nothing worse than a bunch of middle-aged men. <laughs> uh, your words, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm saying that there is nothing worse. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's, there's that. So being contextually relevant. Um, so actually practicing the thing that you're going to be doing. Um, but yeah, things that they could potentially do better are taking into account the coach's starting points. This links back to the, the previous question about what coaches themselves can do if they're about to go on a course. So yeah, thinking about their, so I find that biography, so the things that you value, things that you believe, things that you already do, your practices that you kind of tried and tested things, <clears throat> that influences what you choose to pay attention to what you choose to learn or what you choose to not learn so courses need to try somehow and do a better job of taking that starting point into account so that could be I think the the level three did that pretty well for me as well in that the like I had a video myself beforehand and um, some of the educators on the course had a chance to look at that video so they get a better understanding of what I do to start with Um, so they might then start thinking about what do I actually need to improve upon or what do I need to, what are my areas um, that are of strength and weakness, for example. Um, so, yeah, taking into account starting point. And, um, yeah, we've talked about context. Um, and then just helping people to adapt stuff so that it works or doesn't work or, well, try to judge how something works or help them to like support them to work out what works and why um so i'd say those are sort of three key things and i I suppose the challenge for the national governing bodies is that well a level three is definitely far more one-to-one yeah uh support um a level one is with the best will in the world they just they just don't have the support staff to to do those things and they've got to try mm-hmm. and make the best of that yeah. and, I, and I know that um, I mean I don't uh, know so much about the Scottish guys but I know the Welsh and the English coaching groups are w- work very hard at that and are trying to always improve it and there's some great stuff coming out but inevitably uh, it's never, not going to be able to match a level 3 mm-hmm. course in that sense yeah, there's a, a guy called John Lyle that um, people might yeah. have come across. Um, he's done a lot of research in coaching and coach learning over a number of years, and he kind of makes that point uh, as well. In that, like, you've got to be aware of what you're actually trying to achieve. Like, yeah, it's a bit unrealistic to expect someone transforming their coaching practice and really understanding their values philosophies like why they do what they do etc and like being an expert coach just from a level one um so yeah i mean the level one i guess would be just trying to be a safe and competent coach to be able to run a session and make sure no one like yeah no one hurts himself really badly or you know so it depends what you're trying to achieve from it yeah and uh, that's uh, to do with again context for Mm -hmm. the um for the NGBs as well as the context for the coach. So that's why it's good to um, think about that intrapersonal knowledge. So if you can, at that stage, um, try and develop that kind of ability to learn in the future or like the thirst for uh, more knowledge or more curiosity about coaching at that level, then I'd say that's a that would be a good thing to, to focus on. Yeah, curiosity is a great word and a word that uh, plenty of coaches are using at the moment, uh, which means that you are you are seeking out things. You're seeking different solutions. You're looking different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, there's there's lots of other questions I want to ask um, around these things, but uh, we're going to call it a day there. And some great things there. I'm going to put a few notes at the bottom of this podcast uh, just to remind people about some of the things that should come out. And I know that I've uh, put you on a spot on a couple of things and you've responded well to my, uh, some of those um, slightly um, out of left field questions. But the fascinating stuff, is there any any sort of uh, reference points that you you would, uh, for the, the curious coach to maybe go and look at? Mm, the curious coach, I like that. Um, reference points, well... 
I suppose it depends um, if you want to read academic research or. Well, let's say because I, I know that some who are listening, uh, this is their definitely their back, so they'll be uh, mm-hmm. um, rubbing their hands and waiting to tap something into the computer to look up more as yeah. we speak. Um, well, another podcast that I can recommend. Um, I hope that you don't mind. <laughs> is, um, coaching with coaching with an accent, although. Um, I haven't seen him do very many uh, recent ones, but um, last year I was on one of them as well. And I, I find that really cool as a bit of a coaching geek because it, it focuses on academics in different areas of coaching and um, goes to speak to them about their work and um, different papers that they then recommend uh, you talk about or have, have a look at. So that one's pretty cool. Um, this guy called Francisco who's doing a PhD up in Sterling. So I kind of like that. Um, yeah. like Twitter is always a good um, <laughs> sort of area to uh, discuss different ideas but then I suppose you have to be wary of the um, like the underpinning evidential underpinning of, of that um, there's some good textbooks in um, in sports coaching that um, there's one from like one of my favorite ones is called uh, sport coach coaching cultures and that was by John Lyle and it's it's getting a little bit old now but um, it's really cool because it's got different chapters on different like ideas in coaching, but they're kind of explained through a case study of a particular coach. So, um, so Hope Powell's on there, and from different different sports basically, um, and it kind of just it's like a story from that coach about the particular idea. So it might be something like reflection, um, and it explains that um, with the. Like examples from that coach so I think that's a pretty cool textbook um, and then um, yeah just everything everything, anything and everything just different textbooks I think um, we're, when we're talking about myths about learning or misunderstandings that understanding how we learn a visual guide um, this is the book that I'm reading at the moment it's quite good um, it's by Jana Weinstein and Megan Sumeraki um, and also the um, myths about um, urban myths about learning and education um, by Paul Kirshner. Yeah, um, that one's I like Paul Kirshner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like him. Great. Well, fantastic, Anna. Thank you very much for your your time and your patience with my uh, questions. And uh, well. I dare I say it, I've learned a lot. I, I'm, I'm saying that in uh, that I will come back to you and you'll change my see my change behaviours. But uh, I've gathered a lot of knowledge, uh, which I now need to process uh, correctly. Uh, but fantastic insights. So uh, thank you very much for your time. No problem. It's always a pleasure to chat about learning. <laughs> Good. <That's>, uh, <laughs> and we, uh, you can see and you can sense that there's a great energy behind this this area these these days far more than perhaps there was uh before i know that there were some people out there talking about it but this is uh, at the forefront so uh, your research and ideas and taking things forward is i think very useful for everyone to take account of so thanks again for that and thank you everyone for listening if you want to hear more podcasts or get more involved with the podcast then go across to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button and uh, that's all for this podcast thank you very much for listening thanks for listening to rugby coach weekly podcast if you want to hear more podcasts head over to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.